The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Good evening and welcome everyone. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm JV Johnson. I am here with you tonight. Jason has the night off. Thanks for joining me. We have a really uh, special program. We're going to have two guests on tonight. We've been talking about... Our first guest, uh, as we talked about this program for the last week or so, Linda Sherman will join us. Linda's an author and an astrologer. We're going to be talking about her predictions for 2019 and 2020 and her new book that's called Our Choice, Extinction or Evolution. That sounds kind of ominous. Uh, She'll join us during the first hour. And then later in the program, we have a special addition to our schedule tonight. We're bringing in Lee Austin because Lee, he's an author and a broadcaster. Um, He's also an expert on things like flat earth theory and lunar eclipses. And we have coming up this weekend, in addition to some dreadful snow and dreadful cold, especially in the Northeast, uh, we have a super wolf blood moon eclipse. I think it's Sunday night. And uh, we're going to find out what's special about that, why it's uh, important if you have any interest in what happens in our skies to uh, get a glimpse of it. So he'll talk about that. He'll also talk about some other things, including China landing or claiming to land on the dark side of the moon. Did they do it? And if they did, why is it significant? We'll talk to Lee Austin about that. So a couple great guests, and um, uh, I'm looking forward to all that. A couple things I need to announce for you as well before we get started here. Uh, I'll be making an appearance in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. It's a horror film convention called Dead by BY Con. Dead by Con. Um, you can find information about what's going on there, um, the celebrities they'll have in, in uh, at the show, by going to deadbycon.ca for Canada. I'll be there. Also joining me will be Rebecca Foster. She'll be there doing readings. Um, some other celebrities include Felissa Rose from the Sleepaway Camp film. Tony Moran from the original Halloween film, and Camille Keaton, if you've seen the original I Spit on Your Grave, which is a great film, that's Camille Keaton. She was had starring role there. So they will be there, among other people. It's going to be a weekend of great fun. It is February 16th and 17th in Edmonton, Alberta. So uh, go to deadbycon.ca, check it out. Also, just prior to that, on February 12th, Rebecca Foster will join me in upstate New York, Oneonta, New York, at a place called the B-Side Barroom Ballroom and Supper Club. It's a fancy name for a really cool restaurant uh, bar. And she'll be doing a uh, gallery reading, a psychic gallery reading in that location, uh, the 12th. That's Tuesday, the 12th of February. Um, so if you go to the B-Side Ballroom and Supper Club in Oneonta, just search their website on Google, Uh, You'll see information about that. That's going to be a great time. That's February 12th. And then from there, we head to Canada for the Dead by Con. Uh, I appreciate everybody joining us here on the radio program. Um, In addition to that, I'd like you to take a second and go to YouTube and um, go to uh, my channel. just, Just go to YouTube and search JV Johnson, all one word, and you'll find my YouTube channel there. Um, Subscribe to it if you would. Click the subscribe button. If you want to, click the little bell icon, which will allow you to get notifications every time we go live or post a new video. But there's a ton of uh, paranormal interviews on that site, on that YouTube page. Um, They're mostly rebroadcasts of this radio program, which makes it kind of cool. But in addition to that, we do some special things. And we've got some really special things coming up soon that I've been working on. 
So if you go to YouTube and just search J.V. Johnson, all one word, you should find my YouTube channel and subscribe to it. And then you'll know when these things are happening. We do a lot of cool things on that YouTube channel. Love to have you part of it as well. Um, let's see. Anything else? Yes. Stop by Facebook. Uh, stop by my page. It's JVJ Paranormal on Facebook. Stop by Beyond Reality Radio on Facebook. Like both of those. The more social media places you follow us, the more information you're going to get and the more fun you will have, I promise. So, okay. Uh, I'm going to take a break here. And when we come back, we will begin our discussion about 2019 and 2020 predictions from astrologist, or excuse me, astrologer um, Linda Sherman. We've got a lot to talk about tonight on the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here. Did you know that online retailers like Amazon have constant deals that can save you money on the things you buy every day? It's no joke. Save 40%, 50%, even 80% on great products. And all you have to do is know about them. Noodle Shark is the way to be alerted when something good is coming your way. Noodle Shark is the social media page that lists great deals that not only save you money, but give you the deals before anyone else has them. All you have to do is find Noodle Shark on Facebook. Search it as The Noodle Shark. That's The Noodle Shark. Because you deserve to save too. Become a shark and save. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, our first guest of the evening is Linda Sherman. Linda is an astrologer and an author. Um, her website is soothsayer.com. That's with an E, uh, sooth with an E, sayer.com. She's got a number of books to her credit, including um, Our Choice, Extinction or Evolution, and Fast Forward, Surviving the Race to the Future, and What Next? A Survival Guide to the 21st Century. We're going to be talking primarily about that first title that I mentioned, Our Choice, Extinction, or Evolution. Linda, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. It's an honor to have you on tonight. Well, it's a pleasure to be on your show. So the title of your new book, or your newest book, Our Choice, Extinction, or Evolution, is a bit ominous. What are we talking about here? Well, we live in ominous times. Yes, we do. Um, Yes, this choice, uh, our choice, extinction or evolution, is a joint enterprise, uh, which uh, I wrote with analyst uh, who is an expert at, at data analytics. Uh, he worked for large companies and banks, corporations for many, many years with his career analyzing data. Uh, his name is Richard Spitzer. And, of course, me, the astrologer, we... Uh, we actually uh, decided that we agreed on just about everything concerning the times that humanity historically is facing, the issues that we're facing, what are the odds that we will survive, the challenges that we have in this time. And uh, uh, Richard, being an expert in cycles and astrology, the subject of astrology is cycles. We study astronomical events in relationship to cycles and climates here on Earth in our lives. So uh, we wrote this together. We're very proud of this book. It contains a lot of very current information, and it contains our primary predictions 
of what we feel lies uh, lie ahead for us in this era. And we're going to get into some of that, but the predictions that you made and that you present in the book, plus um, you know some of the other insight that you give, it's based in astrology. Uh, part yes, part of it is based on Richard's data analytics and his study of specific cycles and the data on hand at this time. Uh, and the other, each of us writes a part of a chapter together. And the other part of it is based on the astrological configurations that are here with us now and that are coming in the near future. All right, so let's we go into basically the 2020s. Right. Let's break this down a little bit. Tell us how astrology works. Well, as I said, astrology is a study of astronomical events. Primarily what we look at are the orbits uh, of the planets in our solar system in relationship to constellations. As you know, you hear a lot about the signs of the zodiac, which were the uh, the constellations which roughly correspond with the, the seasons of the year. Uh, and, uh, of course, we also study how these planets relate to each other, and we study that in relationship to historically what are, what arrives in our lives here on Earth, what presents itself as a historic theme. Uh, my profession for 45 years has been to be a, a private consultant. I have private clients from all over the world. I consult also with businesses and uh, uh, various uh, institutions, uh, it, because everybody and every business, everything, every stock, for instance, has an astrological chart based on the calculations of where those planets were at the moment and from the location of your birth. So uh, what I have gotten into in the past 15 years or so is what's called mundane astrology, which is the fates of nations, economies, the environment. Uh, these are the topics that Richard and I write about in, in this book. We take all the big topics, technology, communication, uh, uh, where both of us are very, very interested in the economies, the, the American economy and the global economies, uh, because we really see a very, very difficult time that is going to lie ahead of us, if we haven't already guessed. <laughs> Yeah, With I, the shake-ups. you know, you, you, I guess um, I don't know where the term mundane uh, astrology comes from, because the topics that you listed are pretty significant for everyone. Um, you know, I guess the non-mundane stuff would be, you know, how's your love life, life going to go? And I, I already know the answer to that question for me. So yeah, um, well, I am more concerned. In the sense that we think of common yeah. or, or whatever is not really uh, it's it's used differently in astrology. Uh, it, it really has to do with the fates of not just uh, a human's chart, like an individual's chart, but the chart of a nation. For instance, our nation, America, was founded uh, July 4, 1776. Uh, and we have an approximate time for when we think the last signature went on the Declaration of Independence, and there's a lot of debate in the astrology community about that. But all the nations have astrological charts. Uh, the uh, stock market uh, has an astrological chart. 
uh, this is what we deal with with mundane astrology as opposed to an individual human we're looking at say a corporation uh, like the day that Google was born or the day that 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 Facebook was born or, or whatever, or the day it was listed on the stock market. That's another chart. That's what we do with mundane astrology. We study these charts. So be, I don't want to get into those specific uh, categories yet because we only have a few minutes before our break here. So I want to talk a little bit more about you. You said you've been doing this for about 35 years. At least you've been consulting with people for, for about 35 years. No longer, for 45 45 years. years. Um, consulting using this, this um, um, I was going to say science, but I'm not sure it is a science. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an in-between a discipline. Uh, the, uh, using astrology to consult with folks for that long? Yes, you're absolutely right. It isn't a science because it's not something that can be quantified or or measured per se uh, in a test tube or on a computer or whatever. Uh, but it, it's very interesting. It draw all of us who are astrologers who are interested. We're drawn into it because we see these themes rising in our lives when we have our charts done. We see the signatures of certain talents and abilities and conflicts and everything that that are very prominent in our lives. There's a correlation. But it's not exact. Why? Because, as our book says, our choice, individuals make choices. You can have an astrological chart that is, is composed a certain way, and you could have an astrological twin, even an identical twin, uh, and you would still make along the way. You would have choices to make, and one of you may go left and the other one may go right. So there's that mysterious factor in all of our lives of, of the things that we are born with, the tendencies that we are born with, and then what kind of choices do we make all along the way. We feel astrology has value in that we describe the scene or the scenario, hopefully so that you and, and anybody else who does this uh, has this experience will make good choices. Could that be considered a free will component in all of this? Yes, in a sense, if you want to use that term. There's debate about whether free will exists. I, I happen to think that it does. I think that's one of the most mysterious things about humans uh, is that we actually have free will. But along with that goes a lot of responsibility that sometimes we don't want to take. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um so at what point did astrology attract your attention and, and become something that you wanted to pursue professionally? Well, I was always curious about it. When I was in college, at first I was going to major in psychology and found it a little disappointing because academic psychology, when I was in college, uh, was it, it seemed as if it wanted to turn us into mice running a maze or into mechanistic knee-jerk responses. <laughs> <laughs> I, was a little, I was looking for something bigger and grander in terms of trying to understand why are we here and what are we all about. So I wound up majoring in, in English and education in college, and my degrees are in in those subjects. Uh, and when and I was also a professional classical singer, musician, oh, wow. concert singer, wow. uh, for for a good portion of, of my life. And I decided not to try to pursue that 
it as a, as a, a big career because I would cut everything else out in my life. I happened to have met a singer I was singing with in, in a performance. And we got in a conversation way back when about uh, the paranormal, uh, things that were off the beaten track, uh, out of the box, which I was always very curious about. I always felt that humanity knew less than anything we thought we knew. (laughs) That's been my theory throughout my life, that we know little or nothing. And so let's discuss all these uh, out-of-the-box things. And we started talking about astrology, and I said these these newspaper columns are ridiculous. They're meaningless, I know, but I think there's something to this. And she said, how would you like to meet an astrologer? Uh, I said, wonderful. So she invited us over for lunch, and I met this wonderful astrologer. Her name was Doris. She also had a degree in engineering, and she was an artist and an art critic. She was a very brilliant woman, very well-educated woman, and she pursued astrology as a hobby, but a very serious hobby. She constructed a chart for me and told me exactly, Exactly what I was thinking of doing and what I did immediately ahead in that year of my life, which was a transformative year for me. And I was so impressed. And she said to me that she thought I should pursue it seriously, that my chart showed that I could actually be an astrologer, which, of course, uh, from my particular background, that had been the last thing that had ever crossed my mind, <laughs> the background <laughs> right. I came from. Right. So she got me started. I pursued it as a hobby. I read every book I could get my hands on. And eventually, uh, after I married my husband, and we were married in the 1970s when there was the consciousness movement. Tonight we're talking with Linda Sherman. Linda is an astrologer and an author. Her newest book is called Our Choice, Extinction or Evolution. And uh, Linda, as we were talking before the break, I had to cut you off. You were talking about uh, your evolution uh, personally into astrology. And um, you had just left it off at the point where you'd, you'd gotten married. Yes. Well, my husband was fully supportive of our, our our exploration of human consciousness. We did this together through uh, learning to meditate, and we took various courses. Uh, it was really quite a movement back in the 1970s and early 80s that we were very strongly involved. And that, that's when I got started uh, uh, studying astrology seriously and set up a practice which has been doing well over all of these years. I have developed a clientele all over the world. Now, when did I get into mundane, what we talked about before? I got interested in the astrology of finance and economics in the 1990s and began to do uh, charts of corporations, and also I got involved in in looking at political, economic cycles, and then environmental cycles. Uh, And so uh, as time has gone on, this has become increasingly important to me. And uh, not having an education as an economist, it took a lot of work. The first two books that I wrote, I mean, I had to do enormous amount of research just to find out what derivatives meant <laughs> and what was going on on Wall Street uh, and uh, uh, what were the economic trends in our society. 
uh, we have been trending toward monopolies. We've been trending toward giant derivatives investment, which is is a license to gamble with trillions of dollars. And the more I studied about what was going on and and what the planets were saying to me, the more alarmed I have become. <laughs> Uh, realizing that most of it are so out of touch with what the wealthiest and most powerful people in the world are doing and and the giant casino out there. Uh, and we think we're a democracy, but you have to be informed in order to have a democracy. And most of us, certainly I was at the top of that list, were not informed about what what was going on. We all know the 2008 crash. Well, I forecasted that. I tried oh. to get all my clients out of the you, stock market. I wish you had and, called me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, these, I have a list of, of forecasts. Uh, 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 I had forecasted a terrorist attack on the United States in 2001. I said the planets lined up similar to where they were at Pearl Harbor. Uh, and there's a whole range of, of predictions that I have made. Uh, uh, I felt that the era that we are in now, with Pluto in, in Capricorn, which had squared Uranus for for several years, mimicked the 1930s in many ways. Uh, the rise of the Third Reich, the Great Depression, uh, and and uh, certain things that went on. In it. also, there was the splitting of the atom that took place. It was the beginning of the nuclear age. And, and recently, uh, there, uh, several years ago, there was the discuss the substantiation of what they call the God particle, uh, and also uh, Einstein's spooky action at a distance has been now proven, uh, uh, and and a number of major major breakthroughs in physics and, and technology that are are going on at the same time humanity threatens to extinguish itself with global climate change and massive, massive amounts of pollution and contamination uh, that we have uh, disdainfully released into our natural environment. So that these have been major concerns of mine through the years. Uh, and, And so I see what lies ahead right now. Uh, and there, if if you are interested, I can make some forecasts of what I think lies ahead. Yeah, no, I think us. I think we need to do that. Um, I don't know what the best way to do that for you is. What I would like to do is talk a little bit about the different categories, and you've touched on some of those that you address in the book. Um, yes. You know, there there are six of them that I count. Um, so outline the categories for us, and then let's talk a little bit about each. Well, uh, the uh, we the, the title of our book, as you know, is "Our Choice: Extinction or Evolution," and we think that this is the choice that we have. And uh, the the one of the major uh, things is economic choices. Uh, the list is economic choices, information choices, technology choices, energy choices, environmental choices, human consciousness philosophies, beliefs, and transformation, and the choices that we may make uh, in that arena. So that lists the, the chapter headings. And those... Now the, yeah, go ahead. 
Uh, well, I, I feel that we're going to be forced into a lot of these things. We're going to be forced, uh, uh, as we used to say, into saying, Uncle, okay, we can't go on the way we have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the, the serious things that are occurring, uh, the Jupiter-Saturn-Pluto conjunction in, in 2020, there's, I think there's going to be economically uh, a huge crash by the end of this year. Uh, already we're seeing wild swings and <clears throat> fluctuations in the stock market. Uh, we're going to c- encounter uh, massive debt crises, sovereign wealth debt of our nation and other nations around the world, uh, giant trillions of dollars, uh, corporate debt now in the United States alone. They leveraged and got into so much debt because monopolies have been allowed to uh, to flourish in this era. And corporations have bought other corporations, and what do they do? They leverage it. They finance it. They borrow the money. From, from the banks. Oil and gas companies live off of borrowed money and debt, as do the farmers. Private credit card debt is the largest ever in, in our history. Student loan debt is enormous. And, and we're just going to get to the point where we can't service this. And what may be a trigger mechanism is a derivatives crisis. Now, derivatives uh, are bets. People, you've heard, of course, of hedge funds. Five big hedge funds, by the way, went under and closed down this fall. (laughs) There are serious things already happening. But what a derivative is, is that you buy a bet on a stock or a commodity or a bond or, or, or a market uh, in fact, you can buy a bet on the weather if you want. Uh, you you don't buy the stock. You don't buy the commodity. You buy a bet on it. And somebody on the other side of this contract has to bet the other way. So you have another person say you bought a call, which is a bet that gold will go up in a certain period of time. And the other guy has bought a put which says, no, gold is going to go down in this period of time. So there's a winner and a loser eventually when you end that that contract. Now, this is risky business. If you remember credit default swaps Mm -hmm. in 2007, 2008, in that crash, there was a huge uh, amount of derivatives that crashed. And you can lose so much that you can't pay off the person who bet on the other side of you. So everybody loses huge amounts of money. Now, these derivative things are now in computers, and they are are just... It's unbelievable. There's very little human intervention. They feed data analytics data into the computer. uh, And, uh, you know, everything, every piece of data that you have is already passed. (laughs) Now, a lot of data will say, as we do, it points to a future, the data that we're uh, dealing with now. Uh, points to a future. But the mistake we continually make is that what has been going on is immediately past. And there could be things coming from left field that nobody knows is, is going to happen that just sets off what I call a nuclear reaction. 
and crashes the markets. And, so uh, let, me, let me just back you up because you gave us a lot of information there. Um, are you saying that based on your um, uh, astrological readings, yes. you're seeing this type of economic catastrophe? I'm that as a very high probability. Yeah. Uh, I think we're in a cycle. We haven't seen these planets coming together in this way since 1929. This is how serious this is. Uh, And uh, I really feel in 2008, we could have corrected a lot of abuses. Mm -hmm. We didn't. Instead, the taxpayer bailed out the banks. Mm-hmm. And and we never really, Dodd-Frank really never corrected. They complain about it all the time, but it basically did very little or nothing. The banks were supposed to have a supply of cash in their vaults. They're supposed right. to, uh, yes, they did that to a degree. But the scale, that, that what they have saved in the back vault, so to speak, theoretically at any rate, is nothing compared to the amount of debt that is on the other side of this. And I just feel that it's like anything else. Uh, something is going to spring a leak, and the whole thing is going to come down. And we are really, really, this economy is in very, very serious trouble. And all we get on the news is how great it is. So if, so, so if, if we have an economic catastrophe, this, the uh, depth and size and scope of what you just described... Um, clearly, that has many, many consequences. What do you see in uh, in in uh, the astrological signs that uh, are collateral damage to that? Because uh, what do we, uh, well, what what, what all, goes along with that? There's massive unemployment. There's systems that break down that we can no longer. And it's interesting right now with the government part eight hundred thousand people out of work and the government uh, uh, shutting down. Uh, what we are seeing, how fast our system could break up, how fast it could come apart without the regulation, without the people there to manage it, without the guys in the airport, without the security forces, without the, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the people cleaning up the parks and the highways. We, we can see just how fast we can tumble down. Uh, and it, when you could no longer afford these things and these Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and unemployment insurance, these have been protections uh, that that were in place. How long can we afford to finance that if there's no more tax money coming in? Uh, we are really, things are what I call hitting the fan you know, that's big one, time. We have to take a break here, but um, that's one thing that, that I don't think you mentioned. You mentioned a lot of debt, and you're absolutely right on all that, but the biggest borrower is the federal government spending way more money than it takes in, and it's been doing it for years, and I've always yeah. seen that as the biggest threat to prosperity um, because you can't do it forever. You simply can't do that forever, and the, the amount no. of debt that's being accumulated, and what are we at, $22 trillion of debt at this point of the federal government? Uh, and that's what they say. Yeah. It's probably much worse than that. Linda, the word extinction in that title, does that necessarily mean extinction as in the end of the species or extinction as in uh, the loss of our way of life? <clears throat> I believe that we're at such a major crossroads that the uh, we could... It could be either one, probably both, 
<clears throat> we could lose our way of life. We could our civilization could fall and fail as the Roman Empire and the Greeks and yeah. all the other civilizations fell. But further to that, today, different from those times, those times were specific areas, specific parts of the world. Uh, we now, because of what we have done connected with global climate change and massive pollution, uh, we now threaten to bring our species down along with so many other forms of life on Earth. Uh, the statistics on this are unbelievable. Forty percent of, of the species in the sea have, have gone extinct in the past 50 years. I mean, it's unbelievable what we have been doing uh, just unconsciously with the, uh, promoting our way of life and how we live and how our civilization has worked. Um, I want to ask also about something you said in the first part of our discussion when we were talking about uh, free will and choices that people make that could change outcomes. Is that uh, phenomena also, does that also apply to these, what you called mundane categories? For, ex- yes, for example, exactly. economics. Can, Absolutely can true. We, can because we... we're, looking, we're looking at the choices that not only that individuals make, but that, say, governments make or corporations make or institutions make. Uh, we're looking at, at all of that together. But let's face it, all of these are also made by individual humans and groups of humans. And there has and never been a species that's done to the planet what we've done to the planet. <laughs> so we, but I, I want to say this, there's never been a species that is more capable than we are as well. We do remarkable things. Absolutely remarkable. Do you thing. also think, uh, and I'm, forgive me for rushing the questions here, we do have another break coming up, but do you also think that um, when we look at crises such as the ones you've outlined and others, um, that the old saying applies, uh, necessity is the mother of invention? And uh, I, I, we, Yes, we, I do. Mm-hmm. I do accept that it may be too late for many, many, many people who happen to live in regions of the world are going to be covered by water. And, and they're not going to be, the, the consequences are going to be there. Climate change, this kind of thing. Uh, but I do feel that those people who do survive will relocate to areas. And I think that we have luck in being in America, in North America, may be one of the better places on Earth to relocate because we have the largest supply of fresh water in the world with the Great Lakes, the Mississippi River. We have tremendous farmland. We may be able to survive. Now, another thing I really feel it's important, any show that I'm on, is that everything... Things are going on that, unfortunately, the mass media is not telling us about that would lead me to feel that we may make it. And one of them, I repeat this over and over again because so few people are discussing it, is hydrogen boron nuclear fusion. Uh, this is a process where the hydrogen atom uh, is, is like, goes sort of like the hydrogen bomb and what happens on the sun. There is no pollution at all involved with this process. This would mean infinite amounts of energy all over the world with no pollution, no fossil fuel. It would it would be possibly the greatest holy grail invention since the wheel. Yeah. And it's already in four sites. 
around the world, in Germany, in France, in Switzerland, and in California, they have a fusion reaction. And places like MIT are, are finding ways to create an infrastructure around that they've solved the problem of electrical conductivity. This is something I put my mind to research in the past several years because, and I have found articles in science publications. It's, yeah, it's groundbreaking. Sorry to cut you off. We have to get to break. It's Beyond Reality Radio. More with Linda Sherman coming up. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. We have a great program for you. We are talking with Linda Sherman for a little while longer. And then later in the show, we're bringing in Lee Austin to comment on a couple of things that are in current events that we need to, need to chat about. One of them is the Super Wolf blood, blood Moon Eclipse that's coming up over the weekend. What's it all about? Why is it so interesting? And why is it important for you to check it out if you can, even though it's going to be uh, sub-zero temperatures in the Northeast? Uh, should I don't know if I'm going to be able to get outside for that, but I'm going to try. Um, and we're also going to talk about China and uh, the reports that they landed a craft on the dark side of the moon. Why is that important? And uh, why is it, uh, it, it is it controversial? Because some people say it didn't happen. So all that with Lee Austin just a little bit later. But right now, again, we're talking with Linda Sherman. We want to get right to this because um, we're going to run out of time before we run out of questions. Uh Linda, we're talking about your book, Our Choice, Extinction or Evolution, in which you define a number of categories and uh, you use astrology and uh, trends and data to make some predictions. We've talked about the economy. We've talked about the environment environment, uh, to a degree. Um, There's some other categories there that I want to touch on as well. One of them is technology. is are your predictions related to technology good for mankind or are they also troublesome uh, they could go either way i think mostly we're we're making uh, technological breakthroughs that could be wonderful for humankind if we figure out how to fit them into a workable economy because if you get rid of all the jobs and substitute robots and computers for everything, uh, you're not going to have an economy that supports the technology. So it's very, very important that we give, that I really feel our important concern should be uh, a society that works, where the kind of economic inequality that exists today, where our infrastructure, which helped make us the greatest nation on earth, is falling apart uh, because the money is being concentrated in the hands of the very, very, very few. Uh, we've got to solve these economic opportunities before we're going can, to be can, able to make use of technology. For Linda, instance, Linda, can we put the genie back in the bottle here? I mean, I, I, I lament the same things you're talking about. I, I'm very concerned about the exact same things, but it seems like we are a freight train out of control with some of these issues. I, I agree. I really think we are. Uh, and uh, we have to decide uh, collectively as a nation. Well, I, I just, you say genie out of the bottle. I really think that many genies technologically are already out of the bottle. Uh, we've, it, it's like we created the Internet without creating adequate cybersecurity. When young people say to me, well, if I'm going to major in computer science, what should I do? I say, kid, major in cybersecurity, you'll be able to write your ticket. <laughs> 
yeah. because we we plunged in. That's just an example of what you're saying in this great thing called the Internet, and we're now all, all over our smartphones and, and on social media, and guess what? It's being hacked, manipulated, uh, used uh, to, to, on constantly to advertise things. So uh, we, we've always had, I call it the Frankenstein problem. I feel that Mary Shelley was one of the great prophets of our age. And it is the problem going, leaving the age of Pisces and going into the age of Aquarius. If we don't get what Pisces was trying to say, which is the dignity of the human soul and psyche, and let's work together cooperatively, let's work with each other and in concert with nature, let's, let's, we've got to solve our psychological, social, and spiritual problems. And, and if we tackle that, we can use technology in a wondrous way in this new age that's dawning right now. But if we don't tackle, this is why we had a chapter on this uh, in our book, is uh, if we don't tackle these problems, if we remain infantile, narcissistic, selfish, and violent <laughs> with each other, <laughs> then we have made a choice to extinguish ourselves, and all the technology in the world will simply be used to uh, kill each other as opposed to uh, help clean up the planet and create a new age of great prosperity. Uh, and, and I really think we have a shot at doing this. I think it's what lies ahead of us is going to hurt so badly. I don't think it's going to last forever. I think we're going to have a digital currency which will transform money and the banking system will be based on blockchain technology. There's a lot of things that we astrologers who do this see lying ahead. I think there may be a massive debt forgiveness and a starting over. It's called Jubilee. And to me, it's the only answer. In the 1930s, Roosevelt all the banks in America practically closed down, and everybody lost everything. Yeah. It was it was a nightmare, and to, we forget history. It, it doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. What Roosevelt did was print up piles of money and shipped it out in trucks to the banks so that they could reopen. That's called a debt jubilee. And it was anywhere, there's an estimation from 40 to 50% of the debt uh, was what you would call in, in that jubilee. Now, it, didn't, it, it, it did save the banks for a time. I mean, it wasn't the end. The Depression went on a long time. Right. Uh, and uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's I mean, not going to go on a long time. Some argue, I think it's going to hit through 2024. Some argue that World War II was what actually brought us out of the Depression. But... Um, I want to, we're going to run out of time here, and I, there's another category that I really want to touch on before we uh, have to say goodbye, and that's human consciousness. That's one of the things that you talk about in the book. What are we looking at there? And then my final question to you will be, we've talked a lot of doom and gloom here. What's the good news in all of this? Well, I think that, <clears throat> I'll answer number two first. I think that the good news is that all of this could be a wake-up call to what we really need <clears throat> to do. <clears throat> In a sense, you say World War II brought us out of the Depression. I was alive then. I'm an elder person. 
and I was a little child during uh, World War II. But I remember how this country pulled together because yeah. we knew we were doing the right thing. Absolutely. We need to pull together in a green revolution, in an economic revolution. And I don't mean socialism or communism. or uh, We need a balance between uh, enterprise, uh, 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 entrepreneurial capitalism, and social programs and safety nets that work. We need a balance between those two instead of fighting each other all the time. Uh, We need to change our ways in this sense. We need to change our consciousness. That is an answer to that uh, question. Uh, and each person has to go through his or her individual confrontation with his or her soul uh, and find a way to confront goodness and kindness and a belief that we have a higher self, which I absolutely believe that we do. And if we open to contacting that higher self, uh, we will. the answers will come to us. We will we will recognize that we're all a part of each other and a part of the universe in a grand scheme. And once that recognition takes place, and we see everything so differently than this this predator prey consciousness that we're in right now, either be eaten, you know, there's winners and losers. We've got to move out of that because everyone will lose with this yeah. present state that we're in today. Well, a lot of changes are necessary. Uh, Linda, thank you so much. The book is called Our Choice, Extinction or Evolution, and where can people get a hold of it? Uh, They can buy it on Amazon. Seems to be the place everybody's going these days, right? Yes, (laughs) and you can can go to my website, as you said earlier, Soothe Sayer, S-O-O-T-H-E-S-A-Y-E-R. I have a monthly newsletter free to everybody uh, on that site, and I have a picture of the book. You click on it, it gets you right to Amazon, and you can buy it from there. You can buy the, the book in paper or digital. Perfect. Uh, our time was too short. We're going to have to have you back on, but I do appreciate you being with us tonight. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, we appreciate Linda Sherman being with us in the first part of the program. Our second guest for the evening is uh, Lee, Lee Austin. He was here um, just, uh, well, geez, about a month ago. Um, Lee, welcome back to Beyond Reality Radio. It's great to have you back. Hey, it's great to be on board, JV. I'm sorry Jason couldn't join us. Yeah, you know, he's got stuff going on, too, so we try to swap it out when we can. Um, but thank you for being here. Now, the reason we brought you back so soon, we don't usually bring guests back so quickly, but there are a couple things going on that uh, you were very appropriate guests to have on to talk about, things in the news that we need to touch on. And the first of those things I want to chat about is uh, is China. Um, as we've all heard in the news uh china reportedly landed a craft on the dark side of the moon um there's some speculation as to whether it happened or not i don't know if that's just conspiracy theories or just uh, or there's actual evidence to support that um but first why is it significant that the chinese or anybody for that matter has uh, landed a craft on the dark side of the moon well i think when the Chinese announced that they landed on the dark side of the moon. It gives validity to the NASA program, which, of course, I call into question because I don't believe we ever went to the moon in the first place. So if you have the United States landing uh, allegedly back in 69 and now you have China landing, 
it gives credibility to the idea that we went there in the first place. Okay, so are you suggesting then that this is a ruse to help support the idea as maybe critics become more vocal uh, with the Internet and social media and those who think it was a conspiracy to begin with are maybe making some inroads, therefore they needed a story to help support their own? Yes. Interesting. <laughs> yes, yes would be the short answer. The long yeah. answer is I, I believe that uh, the Chinese are in on it. And, and when I say that, people go, okay, so you're telling me that thousands of NASA employees and thousands of Chinese are all in on this conspiracy, and the answer is absolutely not. It, it's very similar to uh, the Freemasons. You have the first three degrees, and then you have the other 30 degrees. There's a club within a club, and even at the job that I have, there's an office within an office, and and you only know what you're supposed to know, and those that really know are the ones that allegedly went into space, which would probably be just the 14 that were in the vicinity of the moon. They're the only ones that really know the truth, but I would, I would suspect... Uh, they didn't go. Well, let me let me understand exactly what you're saying here. Is it your belief and your contention that we didn't go anywhere near the moon or we just didn't land on the moon? We just didn't land on it. So we I actually we, did uh, had, have I, astronauts. We did we did uh, send them into space, and they were near the moon, but we never actually set foot on the surface. Well, and this comes back to the belief that I have and that I wrote about in Morningstar's tale, is the fact that I, I honestly believe that the moon is hollow. It's hollow, it's flat, translucent, crystalline, and self-illuminating. So it's impossible to land on it. There's a great lyric by um, Pink Floyd in the in the song Eclipse. There is no dark side of the moon. Matter of fact, it's all dark. And I think what they were, were alluding to way back in the day in 1972 is the fact that there's nothing to land on it is not terra firma. That is my belief. And, of course, one thing I didn't mention when we started this conversation is that uh, you've done a lot of work and research into flat earth theory. So this probably is kind of dovetails into those discussions. Yeah, it does. And, you know, just to be clear, J.V., I know that you're not on board well, well, I don't know how much no, on board you are. Yeah, you but, don't necessarily have to. I'm very open-minded. That's why I love doing this program, because I get to hear all of this stuff. Yeah, and, and that's why I love talking about it and the reason I wrote the book. There's a couple of things I honestly believe in, 100%. One is that the sun and the moon are the same size, and that the sun pours its light into the moon, and that accounts for the moon phases, whether you have a, a new moon or a full moon, which we will have on Sunday when we have the uh, alleged total lunar eclipse. Uh, but I do believe the moon and the sun are the same size. I do believe that the light from the sun is poured into the moon and that the moon and the sun rotate around the flat earth, which is an enclosed dome. Those are the things that I really have come to believe and have embraced. But there's some items on the flat earth list i'm not so sure about and one of them is the topic we're going to talk about tonight which is the lunar eclipse because honestly 
those that say the lunar eclipse disproves the flat Earth have a really good point. Um, our guest this part of the program is Lee Austin. He's an author and a broadcaster. Before we went to break, Lee, we were talking about uh, flat Earth theory a little bit, and we were uh, also talking about uh, lunar eclipses, and there is discussion that a lunar eclipse might be um, part of the evidence that would disprove flat Earth theory, and you were about to touch on that. Why don't you take it from there? Yeah, I do agree that if you're going to argue against the flat Earth, the best argument you can put forth is the lunar eclipse, because let's face it, when you see a lunar eclipse, you see the shadow of the Earth over the moon. And and just a recap of what's going to happen. On this Sunday, January 20th, there's going to be a super wolf blood moon, a total eclipse. Now, super means the moon and the Earth are at their closest distance to each other. Wolf corresponds to the first full moon of the year. Blood is the color of the moon during the eclipse. And total, of course, is the blood hue spectrum that will cover the entire I'm going to work backwards on this and start with something that I and the astrophysicists agree on. And it's something called a horizontal eclipse. Now, what I'm going to share with you, I wrote a little bit about in Morningstar's tale, the book I wrote, but I want to expound a little bit more on it because it brings up a question I have. And I have this new theory, and it's not exactly mine, it's just from doing a lot of studying, and a few other people seem to agree with me on this one. But anyway, a horizontal eclipse occurs when the sun and the eclipse are both simultaneously in the sky. In other words, when a lunar eclipse occurs, or how it should occur, is you have the sun, the earth, and the moon in perfect alignment. You have the sun shining on the backside of the earth, and the earth casting its shadow over the moon. That's a lunar eclipse. However, in a horizontal eclipse, the sun and the eclipse can both be viewed simultaneously in the sky, which would lead to the conclusion that the sun is not behind the earth. And this has occurred 15, actually 50 times since the 15th century. And just to show you, I'm not just pulling this out of my hat. Uh, for the record, the last horizontal eclipse, and this is documented, was October 7, 2014. So you have the sun and an eclipse occurring in the sky at the same time, which is impossible. So that leads to the question, okay, if the Earth isn't causing the eclipse, then what is? Well, there's this theory, and I don't even know if I believe it, because I'm learning as I go. And when I present this material, I'll tell you when I believe something, like the uh, sun and the moon being the same size mm -hmm. and the sun pouring its light into the moon, I believe that. This, I don't know if I believe because I just studied it, and I'm still trying to assimilate it. But the idea is in the Book of Enoch, the sun and the moon are never at the same altitude in the flat Earth model. They're about 3,500 miles above the surface of the flat Earth, but they're always at a different altitude, except on a very rare occasion when they are, and simultaneously again, they're 180 degrees apart. So picture a flat Earth, the sun and the moon at the same exact altitude, 180 degrees apart. The idea or the theory is that the sun shines its yellow light 
through the magnetic field of the North Pole, which extends northward. And as that light is going through the magnetic field, it changes color to a red hue. And what you're actually seeing is not the Earth's shadow, but you're actually seeing the refraction of the blood hue from the sun shining through the magnetic field. And when it hits the moon, because it has projected light, a darker light, it gives the effect of curvature. Because keep in mind, with the flat Earth theory, the moon projects its own unique cold light. So for a temporary moment or a few minutes, you have the light from the sun going through the magnetic field of the North Pole and projecting a darker hue color over the existing projected light out of the moon. I know that what I just said sounds convoluted and confusing, and I had to read it and reread it about 20 times before I even began to understand it. I don't expect to convince anybody of what I just said to be the truth. I don't even know if it's the truth. But someone please explain to me how a horizontal eclipse can occur where you have the sun and the eclipse in the same sky, and you can see it simultaneously, that means the sun isn't behind the earth. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. I don't know. Mm. But i got to tell you, JV, I just love talking about this stuff because I'm always learning and I'm always open to listening to somebody else's theory or what they believe to be true. Where do you stand on this whole thing with the flat earth? Do you think it's just nonsense? Are you... 20% in, where do you stand on it? Uh, I don't know if it's a, if it's fair to ask the interviewer a question like that, but I will say that um, I am fascinated by the discussion, and I am fascinated by the resourcefulness of those people who are um, passionate about proving uh, their side. In this case, we're talking about uh, flat earth. Um I haven't I haven't come down on any on any you know resolute side yet. I happen to think there's there's more proof that needs to come my way before I can make any uh, real uh, determination. So I don't I don't know that I could give it a percentage, but I I love hearing the discussion and I love see, hearing the evidence. And I've watched a number of people's presentations on YouTube um, as they've offered such evidence. So I'm going to be non-committal about this answer. So I'm sorry about that. No, not at all. That that was not a non-committal answer. That means you're open to it. It it took me two years and and losing a radio job over it. You know, as we discussed. That's uh, right. I remember that during the previous sure. interview in December. I I literally got fired from a network for talking about this too much because I became obsessed with it, and that kind of led to the book. But I just enjoy having these kind of conversations. I actually work with an atheist at my job, and we have some of the most fascinating conversations, and other people at the office are always listening in because it's an exchange of ideas, yeah. but a mutual respect for each other. I respect him, and he respects well, me, and we just agree to disagree. And I've got, it's, I've got it's to a ask, great conversation. I've got to ask because uh, my memory is failing me a little bit here. Um, was it our discussion when you were on in early December that we had so many haters jumping into our discussion in the chat room? Um, and subsequent, I know it was it was right around that time, but I wasn't sure if it was our discussion. Do you remember that at all? 
I remember uh, Jason saying, I don't know what you're doing, but the phones are lighting up. Yeah, I think um, and, and that's the part that bothers me. Um, I, you know, I don't I don't really care what side you fall on. And anytime we have a guest on this program, I, you know, so I, I, I welcome these um, thought provoking discussions. And when people get angry about it is when I start to question their motivation, because, hey, you've got to have an open mind about everything. And, and, and you know, the things we talk about today um, similar things were talked about, you know, a thousand years ago that turned out to be not so crazy once time, you know, went on. So um, I just I just think it's silly to put uh, hate into this discussion. And some people seem to do that. Well, and what you're doing is you're you're messing with people's comfort zone. You know, uh, think about it. When we you and I and everyone else in the audience went to school, one of the first things we saw was the globe. And we've all been indoctrinated into it. And for someone to come on the radio and go, well, basically everything you've been told is a lie really takes people out of their comfort zone. And I can understand why somebody would be upset saying, you know, who do you think you are? And this is just insane. And and honestly, the first time I heard the flat earth theory, I thought it was stupid. And, And it took about a year for me to even approach the idea that it could be a possibility. But, you know, in this book, uh, Morning Star's Tale. It's not. It's not just about flat Earth. It's. It's Lucifer basically explaining how the universe is built, how you and I are built, and why he does what he does, and what his end game is. And and in the book, Lucifer says his end game is to go back in time and destroy time, because by killing time, he'll kill God. So there is a story within a story. I think. Part of the, I don't want to say problem, but issue with this book is that we get, not you, but everyone gets so focused on the flat earth. It's really the introduction to the book, because the ideas that I've had on my own radio show that I've talked about for years, I could not express in the first person because I knew they were just crazy. But I thought if we could get Lucifer to explain it, and Lucifer didn't care because he knew you wouldn't believe him, that it might make for an intriguing read, and that's kind of the angle I hit on. Right, and we're talking about your book, Morning Stars Tale. By the way, the website is morningstarstale.com. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time here. We have about five minutes left, and I, I wanted to ask about something else that was mentioned here, um, the Nephilim. Uh, somehow, in some way, along the discussion here, you connect the Nephilim to a blockbuster. Well, I don't even know if it's a blockbuster, but a recent superhero movie uh, known known as Aquaman. What's the connection there? Well, just to uh, go back in time and then bring it up very quickly, uh, the Nephilim, and this is my belief based on reading the Bible and the book of uh, Enoch, the Nephilim uh, were the result of the dark angels, the Watchers, 200 of them descending on Mount Hermon, and having sex with women, and creating a race of giants. And that's why the Ancient of Days, or as Lucifer would call him, the Demiurge, flooded the earth because he corrupted the seed, and the earth was filled with these giants. So a Nephilim is a half-angel, half-human. So you had carnal mixing with spiritual, and God flooded the earth because Lucifer was going to corrupt the, the systemic DNA of man, which is a double helix. An Aquaman come to find out that Aquaman's father is a man, and yet his mother is a mermaid, I guess like the Starbucks mermaid or something. So he's half human, right? half whatever, fish, animal. He could even be a chimera, 
which is a half uh, human and half uh, animal. But in Aquaman, you are dealing with an archetype Nephilim. And so the movies show us what's about to happen. And there was another movie that came out that's incredibly forgettable, apparently, called Replicas, the new movie with Keanu Reeves, uh, where he resurrects his family using DNA technology and synthetic biology. So all of these movies that are coming out, in my belief, are predictive programming and showing us where we're going. So if you don't want to read the Bible, you don't want to read the Book of Enoch, just go to the movies. <laughs> you see all, the, all of it there. I want to circle back to the China discussion a little bit because, um, you know, in the United States anyway, much of our uh, um, space program has been um, contracted to private companies like SpaceX and um, others. Um, do we actually have a space race underway here now, uh, whether it's for uh, um, the purposes they define or other purposes? Uh, is that going on? I think we have a PR race uh, as far as space goes, but there is definitely an AI race going on, and I think that's uh, a much more ominous topic. And it was mm. Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, who said he feared we were unleashing, unleashing the demon when we pursue AI. And I think the real genie in the bottle is DARPA and the super soldiers that are going to be produced, if not already, on the assembly line, these hybrid Nephilim mixing with AI. And in many ways, I think that might be the final fruition of what all of this is coming to, the idea of mixing an AI with the demonic spirit, which would give it incredible intelligence. It would be a person and yet a machine at the same time. So, you know, the rabbit hole only goes uh, deeper, J.V. So you say a demonic spirit. Is this is this a uh, the result of an un- unintended consequence, or is this by design? Uh, I think it's all by design, what's happening in the labs across the world. What happened in the, in the Bible, what I think happened, what I believe to have happened, is that when the Nephilim were destroyed by the flood, their disembodied spirits, are known as terrestrial spirits, which I believe are actually demons. So if you want to know where demons come from, I believe they are the disembodied terrestrial fierce spirits of the Nephilim that were destroyed during the deluge. And these are the same spirits that I think are going to be used with these super soldiers and ultimately merging with AI, this whole iron and clay scenario that's talked about in the book of Daniel. Okay, so where can folks get a hold of your book? Uh, I know we talked about it about a month ago, but people are always looking for stuff. Yeah, it's real easy. You can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, the book is called Morning Stars Tale, and it's not T-A-I-L. It's T-A-L-E, so Morning Stars Tale, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also go to my website, which is MorningStarsTale.com, and that will lead you towards purchasing the book if you like. And uh, that's it. Great, Lee. Thanks for being here on short notice. Um, there were timely topics, and I'm glad you had time to join us. JV, I appreciate the year. 
Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll wrap things up when we come back. It's Beyond Reality Radio. I'm J.V. Johnson. Thanks for being here tonight. Welcome back to the program, Beyond Reality Radio. Thank you to both our guests tonight. Great conversations, very thought-provoking. We appreciate uh, both of their opinions and their points of view and the information they uh, provided tonight. It's always it's always a great night, um, especially when we have two guests. Next week, we've got some great shows for you. Monday night, Michael Bodine has been on the program before. He's a psychic. He'll be talking about his brand new book called A Psychic's Life, What It's Really Like. And then Tuesday night's program, William Stickevers will be here. He's an astrologer, and we're going to be talking about the 2019-2020 global crisis that he predicts. I see a theme among these astrologers. It's interesting. Um, we're still working on a guest for Wednesday night. We've got some schedules shifting around. And then Thursday, Scott uh, Crichton will be here. He's a revisionist historian. He's going to talk about the Great Pyramid hoax and Project Osiris. So we have a lot of great stuff next week. We're going to be talking about some things um, that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet on Beyond Reality Radio. Once again, I'll ask you to stop by my YouTube page. Just, just go to YouTube and search J.V. Johnson, all one word, and it'll come up. Subscribe to it if you would. And if you want notifications on when we go live and the things we're doing, click on the little bell icon that will give you notifications every time we post a new video or we go live. And we do a lot of neat things there, including uh, replays of this program. But we, we have some other uh, programming that we do that is interesting. A lot of paranormal stuff. I'm sure you're going to like it. Also, give us a visit on the Beyond Reality Radio webpage. The coffee mugs are there and available for sale. We just sent a whole bunch of them out. I think the cold weather's got people drinking hot chocolate and stuff, and no better place to put it than in a Beyond Reality Radio coffee mug. So do that. How do you spell what? (laughs) Okay, Uh, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great weekend. Tomorrow night, of course, will be a uh, best-of program, as it is um, every Friday night. Thanks for being here. I'm J.V. Johnson. We'll see you next week. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.